We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Lots to dive into this week in the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. We will start off with uh, last night's big event, which, of course, was Jordanis Ugas defeating Manny Pacquiao by unanimous decision, retaining his WBA championship, his piece of the welterweight crown. Uh, and very, very interest- interesting, awkward fight. Interesting, awkward fight. Uh, and a fun, awkward fight um, for both guys. I just thought that it was uh, a really, really fun clash of styles. I think you saw... Um, from Ugas, just a, a guy who maybe a, a lot of people were wondering was the moment going to be too big for him? Was uh, was this going to be a case of the, the 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 lights being too bright, the stage being too bright? And it just wasn't the case uh, case at all. The guy uh, was was so calm, cool, and collected the entire time uh, this round was going on, really from the get go. Because I thought that even in that first round, you saw Manny Pacquiao was trying to do a lot of that dictating the uh you know the action dictating throwing a lot of punches getting the crowd all riled up maybe getting himself a quick knockdown and Ugas will pop up um and a couple things were very noticeable off the bat and there were one that Ugas was just so physically strong I mean you know there was a point where he was shoving Manny Pacquiao just wasn't going to be bullied by any physicality from Manny and wasn't going to be bothered by anything physically from Manny um, and the other thing was just that even in those bursts, those those loud, raucous moments that you have, because, uh, you know, they, and they mentioned this a couple of times on the broadcast, which I want to mention something with them coming up later on in the program today, because Fox has got to do something with that. But there was a point where it was saying, like, you it, it, with, when you fight Manny Pacquiao, you, you uh, are in a lot of times fighting a home crowd advantage. Like, you are fighting a, a, a guy like... I've been to a lot of sporting events in my life. I've been to, uh, I've been blessed in this profession to get to do a lot of cool things. Getting to go see him fight was a bucket list thing of mine because he's always been one of my favorite fighters. And the the energy in the building when he knocked down Keith Thurman in that first round, it, it's unlike anything I've heard in sports. It just it, to, for everybody to just go see one guy, and for them to be that happy in that moment. It was uh, it was an undescribable energy. It was fantastic, and so to see that Ugas wasn't going to be bothered by that, I, I mean, it was noticeable from round one. I even felt like even with uh, the tone of the broadcast and the tone of that, like they were even given the first round for Pagio, and I did not. You know, I gave Ugas the ten nine uh, in round one just because I thought that 
you know, I thought Manny had a nice flurry, but I thought that he had weathered the storm. And that really was um, a, a big theme throughout the fight. You know, round two really was, uh, you know, Manny was kind of, I think, trying to figure some things out. And we saw that when he probably had his best moments of the fight when, when three, three and four happened, his most aggressive, his most balls to the wall, his most gas, you know, put it, put in the, uh, the pellets of the metal to really go down and try and fight his fight. Um, probably like three through five. Like that was, that was the best we saw Manny Pacquiao in the entire fight. Um, and I, I could even say this as a guy who's, uh, I'm a homer when it comes to, to scoring his fights. I'm a guy who I, I tend to give him the nod on a lot of things just because I know a couple of things going into Manny Pacquiao's fights. I've seen every one of his fights and I know that, there's a couple of things that I get worried about, especially a, a guy I would say second half, second half of the career, Manny Pacquiao. I get worried about fights that he gets out to big leads for because I feel like he's going to coast. A guy who used to go butcher eyes, break orbital bones, knock people out, knock people down. He just hasn't been that same guy for a very, very long time. Um, but the other thing is you, you, you like to know when he's in these moments um, – you know when is when is he going to kind of go full throttle? When is he going to have those bursts to really amp up the pressure on his opponent? And then how does that opponent react? How does that opponent deal with that? And who just never was really uh, was never really bothered by it. Even in those times where you had those awkward exchanges, and Manny Pacquiao was throwing those you know six punch, four punch to six punch flurries, and he's landing even some really good shots. Ugas wasn't bothered by it. Even sometimes you would come back, pop, pop, hit him with a one two. And uh, it really, really was just always, always felt like when Manny is the guy who always felt like even in those classic battles, like he would take some counter shots and he was always going to eat shots because he was an offensive fighter. Defense was never his prerogative. He always kind of relied on his footwork and speed and angles. That wasn't the case with him today. You know, it was just he was basically right in front of Ugas the, basically the entire time. And sometimes he would charge in and he would be able to get out. But it was never side to side. There was no any special angles or things like that. He tried it a couple times. You could see he was trying to really hit that uh, that that lead right hook and just wasn't able to 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 land on it. You know, and then credit of that goes to Ugas. Maybe some of it goes to an aging Pacquiao. I know that he mentioned the uh, the tightness in his legs, but um, you know, it was interesting. I was having a conversation with my uh, with my uncle, uh, my uncle Liam, who's also he's actually the guy who got me into Manny Pacquiao. Um, at a really, really young age, we were watching like boxing after dark. And he was just saying like, this one worries me tonight. Cause we almost talk about Manny Pacquiao. Like, uh, like it's one of our teams. And, uh, I was like, nah, come on, bro. Like, you know, he's, he, he was prepping for Spence. I know it's a complete flip of the styles, but like, you know, Ugas ain't the level of Spence. Like I, I just felt like I, 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 I really was buying into, uh, you know, Manny was going to be able to carry this over. He looked fantastic in training, um, you know, but I, he was spot on, you know, just the idea that, that Ugas has just that, that, I mean, like, and so many do from, from Cuba, just that pristine style. They're so skilled. They're so good. Um, and, 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 and he's, he's, he's no different. Like he just, he's, he's so good at distance and range and making you miss. Um, and it, it just, it, it's so much, it, it, there's no real flash to it. Like they're, you have Manny Pacquiao, who is the ultimate flash fighter. He is, you know, unorthodox. 
He does things wrong from time to time, but it's just been so fantastic. It's been his own, and they talked about this. You know, there's not going to be another one of him. There really is never going to be another one of him. Um, and with Hugas, there's a lot of you know great guys from Cuba who like who fight with that just pristine style. They have so much damn success. You know, Ortiz and there's Landy Lara and him and just the, the you know Guillermo Rigandao and like just these guys just have. They're so good for so long, and it's like you, you know, you see thirty-five years old. It's like he's got so much more uh, on the odometer when it, when you have that just that style. It almost doesn't even feel like it uses a lot of energy. Um, and he just you know was just frustrating, man, like hell with the jab. That was very clear. You know, they they the the fight was basically at that distance for the grand majority, and Manny was. You could just tell thinking of times like, okay, is this the time where I'm going to go in? And there were times where like. He still had some moments like that, you know, it was funny. They had, and I'll, I'll kind of divert off into the broadcast thing here a little bit because uh, Joe Goosen and Sean Porter were getting into it. But Sean was right. Like, Sean was right that Ugas was, uh, you know, was looking really, really good. And and that Manny didn't quite look the same. And this was really bothering Joe Goosen by a grand level. And then they brought up a tweet from Damian Lillard. And I don't think Joe Goosen knew who Damian Lillard was. Apparently, he thinks that, like, uh, He's Sean Porter's relative, you know, and so I don't know. Fox has just got to do something with that broadcast, man. It's it's so bad, and they have so many big fights, and and they just feel like they got to do better, you know, for having, you know, for PBC having all of this money involved. And I don't think they, I don't know if it's just they don't care because, like, you know, like they, it's almost like you know it behooves the promoters not to have people as keen in like. They're basically just using their fighters as broadcasters. Then they have Brian Kenny, who I'm not a fan of calling blow about. I th- I respect his boxing knowledge, and I think he's good as a boxing personality. I just think he stinks calling fight nights. I think he's terrible at it. Um, I would almost like him hosting the desk rather than being on the call for blow by blow. And meanwhile, we have Jim Lampley, who maybe will call fights for Triller one day, and is just you know was out there and available for somebody to have, and nobody wanted him. Um, but, you know, they were just – the thing is, like, you get into these boxing broadcasts, they go so much down the narrative path, like, they're missing the fight as it goes, and they just, oh, okay, we choose this, we go – and they just miss everything that's happening. So I just find that wildly frustrating. But Sean Porter was right on. Like, the fight was going Ugas's way. I think Manny, um, you know, after that fifth round, it really was starting to – he was really starting to frustrate him. He was really hitting with some big shots. They kept going to the, the shots of Jinky Pacquiao and – couldn't have loved what she was seeing from her husband. Uh, he was taking a, a lot of big shots, and 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 honestly, you know, everyone's always going to go back to the 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 Juan Manuel Marquez knockout because it's it's a, it's an iconic shot, it's an iconic rivalry, and um, but almost fights like this sometimes can be more dangerous because you just take so many of those, and it felt like he was just taking so many of those thudding right hands. Which yeah, they weren't putting him out and they weren't putting him down, but he was just it was just enough like he was moving across the ring and like they were just not it, it wasn't enough to put him away, but it was still in the level of oh, he was uh he was he's he was definitely rocked by that and he's coming back from war. So um you know, Ugas I think I think he gets a lot of credit for tonight. I think that from definitely for me i mean like i definitely underestimated him going into this um it's got to be a cool moment for him too i think for us down here in south florida 
you know, him going in with, with the Cuban trunks. He lives down here. Uh, the Patria Vida on on his uh, on his trunks on his robe and and everything that's going on with Cuba right now. I know there's, I mean, there's so much unrest in the world going on right now, and um, you know that almost feels like a a, a, a fight that's because the world moves so much. Almost people have forgotten, which sucks and is and is sad. But like, you know, you have all these people in Cuba that are fighting for their freedom and and are going against government and are trying to you know get their home back. And, and, and try and do something meaningful. And you have a lot of people over here who are just want to make sure their families are okay and um, are trying to do their part to get the message out there because they're not allowed to in that country. And so I think that was probably beautiful to a lot of people down here. And I'm sure Ugas, uh, if he didn't have a lot of mainstream fans down here, probably earned a lot uh, with that. And so uh, you know, a huge shout-out to him and, uh, and, and, and for, for him to get that win. Uh, had to just mean a whole hell of a lot. And uh, you could see how emotional he was and what he was saying in the, in the aftermath. I don't know if it uh, quite came across right in translation, but, um, you know, they didn't have the best interviewers in the world either who were uh, on the broadcast. But another story for another day, but a huge congrats to Ugas. And, and for him, he's in this interesting spot now because, yeah, he is. he does solidify that WBA piece of the title. It feels like now it does have a little bit more significance where he was kind of the other guy it was Terrence Crawford and it was Errol Spence and now Ugas has this win that both of those guys wanted I mean like you know they both wanted to fight Manny Pacquiao they both have been in negotiations to fight Manny Pacquiao hell Errol Spence was had a date to fight Manny Pacquiao and uh their reactions were kind of interesting on social media because they were both cheering him on they put uh congratulations Jordanus Ugas from Terrence Crawford Ugas congratulations Jordanus Ugas and then he puts, uh, and then Terrence Crawford puts an only if and a sad face, which I kind of think is the more, you know, that's an appropriate reaction. Um, I don't really get what Errol Spence's reaction was. He put like a side face sly emoji. I'm probably reading into it too much. I don't know. Um, I guess he, is he happy that Manny Pacquiao lost? I don't really understand that. Um, uh, he did go good bleep your Donna Sugas, so gave him the nod. And, uh, you know, for Errol, yeah, I mean, like, look, happy face emoji or sly face emoji, whatever. That's until um, unless him and Terrence Crawford get their bleep together. I mean, that's the biggest payday that probably just walked out the door because I don't know what Manny's future holds. I don't know what's uh, what's going to be left for him. It's tough to read. Um, it's tough to read the interview post post fight about what he was feeling he says i don't know i want some time but he is going to run for president um and there were you know when he took a little moment of reflection you know saying that i hope that i gave you a lot of fun it felt a little you know like a retirement and i think you think about the last two times that he was in there now and how opposite they were because you have this fight against keith thurman who definitely wasn't at the peak of his powers you know, definitely, and, and Keith Thurman, I remember him saying this when we interviewed him. He goes, you know, if I was the guy I was two years ago, there's no shot Manny Pacquiao would fight me. And that's probably true. Um, Manny kind of felt like he was fighting a, a bit of a damaged goods Keith Thurman and had the huge knockdown, had that iconic moment that they could put in the highlight reels, that he still got some of that magic left in him. And tonight, it just felt like he he just didn't. You know, there was no... There was no bag of tricks for him to reach down as i mentioned 
you know, earlier in the show how I always wonder when he's front running, what's his reaction going to be? Quite in the opposite of this, you know, I was other than the Floyd fight, I've been try I was trying to like really reach him. I was like, well, what fights has he been in lately where he really has been I guess you could go Joe Horn. I thought that he will clearly beat Joe Horn. I mean, but you know, that being uh you know, that being one of those fights where he had that in the bag and then he really relented in the in the back end of that fight and it cost him. Um, but he was out in front in that fight. And Manny Pacquiao, the only boxer who has his own boxing who has his own Wikipedia and then has a bo- as a has a uh, Wikipedia for his own boxing career. Um, Jeff Horn, by the way. But yeah, um, since the loss, it beat Jesse Vargas, all the way his, Tim Bradley, all the way his, Matisse knocked him out, Adrian Broner, easy win, Keith Thurman um, had that one kind of in the bag. Like, you know, and even before that, like, you know, the Tim Bradley fight, a lot of people look back as one of the biggest robberies. The Juan Manuel Marquez fight was so back and forth, even before he got knocked down. Chris Algieri knocked him down six times. Brandon Rios, easy win for him. Tim Bradley the second time around, easy win. So the idea that he was going to come back and win this fight, you know, he just hasn't been that guy in his career. It just It hasn't been one where he's really had to dig down and, have the big rally he's mostly so ahead i mean he's an all-time great um the only one you could really guess comprehend is the floyd fight but he was it was such a blowout um that that really never had anything to it either so i don't know man i i, I think that for me um what he should do with the rest of his career i i think that he should probably hang it up um i say that as again probably if not my favorite boxer, top three all time for me. You know, I think it's probably like him, Roy Jones. Um, those are the two guys who like are always, always, always have everything, like all of my support always, no matter what um, for me. And um, yeah, I don't want to see him fight. I, I don't know if I want to see him fight anymore. And I don't really know. I guess I mean it like this. I don't really know what makes sense for him anymore either. You know, what is the fight that makes sense for him? You know, McGregor doesn't make sense for him. Um, Doesn't really make sense for him to fight Errol Spence now. Does he, you know, do they just throw the, do they pull the Terrence Crawford thing out of his hat? And that's like, you know, maybe Bob Arum. I don't know. I don't know what Manny's contract situation. That's always so weird. I don't know what his contract situation is. So could he go back to the other side of the street or could that be a welcoming gift on the behalf of Al Heyman to Terrence Crawford to PBC? Yeah, maybe. But like, again, I still do believe that Crawford and Spence are a little bit of a cut above Jordanus Ugas. Uh, and so I would say I don't love his chances against it anymore. And it's it's tough that you're a prisoner of the moment like that. But yeah, he he looked every bit of 42 tonight. And uh and I just didn't see him. You know, he mentioned the tight calves today. That's been a Manny Pacquiao thing for a while. Um, so, you know, maybe he just, I don't know, just wasn't tuned up as as well today because he definitely didn't have that movement. But how can he feel confident that he's going to have that um, come around the next time, you know, now that he is the age that he is? I don't know. So 
I, I, I think it's time. You know, it just it feels it feels time for him to step away. I think he kind of was hinting at that. I think his wife uh, being ringside, seeing him take all those shots. And again, you know, not like it wasn't the most devastating beating you've ever seen of your life. Don't get me wrong. Honestly, my final scorecard was 7-5. I know I was probably scoring with my heart, probably on a couple of those late, but I thought I was scoring more so uh, conservatively early on. So I felt like, you know, I thought the scorecards, you know, we're always ripping the judges. I thought as great as you get, 7-5, I thought that's as pretty good as you could get for judging, you know. I think, like, if you were really, like, leaning Pacquiao, which I was, 7-5 7-5 is probably about as good as you could get for him. Um, and 8-4 is probably more appropriate. And so that's that's a pretty sound beating. It's a pretty sound beating when you lose eight rounds to four in a unanimous decision. We'll take a quick break here on the show. I will. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Ugas on the other side and really where this leaves the welterweight division. What does this mean? You have a, a, a two-belt champion who has a very serious injury. You have one Terrence Crawford who's getting ready for a fight against Sean Porter. And now Ugas is standing here with a high-profile win. What does it mean for the welterweight division? Plus, we'll get to some other news and notes from around boxing and mixed martial arts right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin's Fight Show here on 7-9 Tickets. So I've been talking about uh, Manny Pacquiao and his loss last night to Jordanis Ugas, uh, Miami's own piece, hometown, uh, introduced out of Miami yesterday. So a uh, big one for the hometown, but... Listen, Manny Pacquiao has been my guy for a long time, so uh, I, I am a little bit somber this morning as well. But I do want to give a again another shout to uh, to your Danny's for his win. Awesome, awesome performance! But it really was an awesome performance by him yesterday. I mean, he uh, he was so calm, so cool, and really was just hitting him. I thought it was some really vicious, vicious stuff. I know he's not like the biggest knockout artist in the world, but uh, I thought he was stronger, very clearly stronger than Manny Pacquiao. Uh, very unbothered by any any of those flurries. Like Manny had a couple of, of where he was really starting to pick up the pace, like round eight. Um, it was getting a little bit better. I thought round nine I gave to Manny. Uh, he had him with some clean stuff, body shots. But even then, like uh, you know, I think Ugas was almost like seeing. All right, let's see if he gets a little froggy. Let me see if I can catch him. Like I didn't think that he was slipping away in the fight. Um, you know, and I give Manny credit. Like, listen, Manny kept trying. To bring the fight to him, that was uh, that that definitely was the case, but um, he just he just you know he never hit him with something that really felt like a game changer. There was that one moment uh, in the tenth round where it looked like he caught him, caught him, but I think it was uh, almost like a it was like, it was a very awkward fight too at times with just the clashing, the low blows, lots of that. So um, for the for for Ugas. I, I agree. Like, I think that, you know, to his, I agree with his point that he says he wants to unify now. Um, you know, does that mean Errol Spence? This is going to be an interesting one. You know, uh, it was revealed this week from uh, Mike Cobbager that he has a detached retina. Um, I think the original report was scratched. Now, listen, I'm no optometrist, so I don't know what detached, scratch. Detached sounds worse. Um, so I don't know how long he's going to be out. I, I hope this isn't a – it doesn't sound like it's like a cracked orbital bone or something like that. But uh, there were some rumors that were out there that he was, you know, completely ducking the fight and the injury was made up. That I mean, that makes no sense to me. I, I All these people who are like, 
Um, you know, it's so funny. We have all these conspiracy theories that have come out over the last weeks of like Tyson Fury. Oh, he doesn't really have COVID. Teofimo Lobe, he doesn't really have COVID. These people want to get paid. Like, I don't understand. You know, these con- their con- damage is done for them. They have their contract side. The only thing they got to do is show up on fight night. I don't understand why these people think that the fighters don't want to get paid. Um, and certainly for Errol Spence, like, what what the hell do you think he wants to not fight Manny Pacquiao for? First of all, uh, he was a proverbial, a very big favorite to win this fight. I think if he saw tonight, like, if, if that was, if that, think about this, if, if, if it was the case and he watched what he watched tonight and saw Manny at the age that he is, uh, how silly he would feel. But I think that is a dumb theory. So, unfortunately, um, you know, they had to kind of clear up where he was at with his health. But, yeah, I think that it would make all the sense of the world for those guys to unify. And it's definitely not the uh, the fight I'm sure that Spence is looking for. But I don't really know what else makes sense. Like, look, you're PBC. You have all the welterweights in the world under your roof. Why the hell not? Like, why the hell uh, should he not get to fight he was supposed to fight the guy that you were supposed to fight. He beat him very soundly. It makes all the sense in the world for them uh, to get it on. Now, if Ugas is going to wait a little bit and we're not going to have Errol Spence, here's where the things are going to get interesting because you have Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter. They're going to fight. Um, it looks like that's going to purse bid. So who knows who ends up with that fight? Terrence Crawford is... Feels like his days at top rank are done, so I would imagine the only sound thing for him to do would be to get a whole heap of money from Al Heyman to come over to PBC and start fighting everybody on this side. They did now, thankfully, Fox, who I've been hard on today, uh, thankfully they decided to put Terrence Crawford up on the graphics. Th- very nice of them to finally take that leap and put Terrence Crawford actually on. Make make sure Terrence Crawford actually exists. And put him as one of the welterweight champions because when in the past they've they've pulled some real bull bleep where they haven't even put him on there, and I just don't understand that. Like you think boxing fans are stupid? Like you can't show the respect a little bit? I never understand that. Like I don't understand why, um, you know they they we just ignore the promotions like they shouldn't matter. You want to understand? I'm like I gave UFC a lot of credit when they did this with Michael Chandler, where they mentioned him as you know they introduced him as the former Bellator champion. Like it meant something. Um, I don't understand why that's that's something you would want to just completely uh, ignore, but Fox has been doing a pretty piss-poor job with broadcasting boxing since they've had it. That's just the facts. Um, I mean, how many times did they mention tonight that Manny Pacquiao is back to uh, the bamboo stick training? I mean, did they mention it 20 times that Manny Pacquiao is getting hit with a stick? We get it. You mentioned it. Thank you. You've covered this. It's been, it's been, uh, it's been uh, broadcast. Uh, as far as their undercard tonight, um, didn't watch much of the uh, the first one because the Dolphins game was still going on, so I was still uh, I was still very much football centric. the The second fight on the card, the 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 Mark Maxayo, the uh, hit that fight against uh, Julio uh, Ceja. Holy crap! That was the best fight I've seen tonight. I mean, that was incredible. I mean. You had uh, Magnifico goes out there, knocks down Seha in the first round, hits him with a, a, a beautiful hook, puts him on his ass, then, you know, immediately doesn't put him away in the first round, and seemingly Seha comes back, starts beating the brakes off of him with the body work, puts him down in the fifth round, 
They're going back and forth. He's still hanging on, and Maxayo puts him uh, puts him down with a hellacious, hellacious right hand, and then follows one up to put him straight to the canvas. And it was it was one of those knockouts that's like they're they're different level knockouts. They're knockouts that are just scary in boxing. I was like, oh, I was like, I I was you know it was one of those where you were fearful that uh, say I was gonna be okay. It was uh, it was it was definitely it was a scary one for sure. So that was a great fight. Then they had Victor Ortiz, uh, Robert Guerrero, which had like a good four rounds of life. Maybe I'm being even generous to that. And then it got kind of ugly, kind of ugly. This was actually one of the parts that actually bothered me the most about the broadcast because it was Brian Kenny and, and Joe Goosen. And they brought up uh, Freddie Roach. Now, Freddie Roach was basically trained. It was kind of it was pretty crazy, I will say. It was noticeable that tra- Freddie Roach was basically train. I think he was the trainer for three out of the four fights on the main card going into the uh, the Pacquiao. And I actually don't even remember them going to Pacquiao, the corner of Pacquiao very much, which was kind of odd. Um, I don't know if maybe they didn't allow Cameron. I don't remember them going to him very much, which was kind of odd. Now that I'm thinking back on the fight, maybe I missed it. Maybe because I was writing down my own scorecard, my own notes, but I don't, I don't remember them. Uh, going to it very much but i again i was writing stuff down as score the fight of my own i was making show notes so maybe i missed it but the point was is they so they start off this broadcast uh of the of the co-main event and so brian kenny asks goosen and he's like hey uh joe you uh you know you ever work uh you know you think this is a big deal you know freddie roach is uh you know, working multiple fights tonight and, and has a lot of action, you know, shouldn't for a big fight, you know, shouldn't he probably be focused on the the one fighter? And Joe Goosen flag goes, nah, Brian, it's no big deal. You know, I've done double duty, triple duty. It's it's nothing. You know, you'll be fine. And Manny Pacquiao has been doing it a long while. I'm like, oh, cool. Good insight from Joe Goosen. And then I don't know if it's because the I don't know if they got bored into hot takes or what the hell happened, but it's like round nine maybe it was round 10 and no you know what i think it was actually at the end of the fight because freddie got the hell out of there and they're like oh yeah you know ben's asking it bears asking uh joe like do you think that freddie should be in the the locker room with manny pacquiao and he goes gotta tell you the nights that i was uh i had a big main event fight it's all my focus wanted to be i only wanted to be in that locker room like wait you just said Seven rounds ago that you didn't care that you've done double and even triple duty and that Manny Pacquiao doesn't need Freddie Roach in the locker room. What the hell happened? Like he completely flipped on his on his take based on his own experience. He, he not only changed his take and changed his opinion on Freddie Roach, but Joe Goosen changed what his own preference was. As a legendary and veteran trainer, he goes and says from one point, "Oh no, Brian, I love having triple duty. Doesn't matter. You don't need to. You don't need to be there too." I gotta tell you, when I have a big fight on main event night, that's all I want to focus on. What? So I don't know. I was I was very uh, I was very down on them today. Clearly, I've mentioned it a lot. Uh, they did have Caleb Plant in the building. He is officially on to fight Canelo Alvarez November 6th. So that is very cool. 
Uh, very much looking forward to that fight. Very much looking forward. I'm glad uh, we talked a little bit about that uh, that last week because the reports were coming out that uh, Caleb Plant and Canelo Alvarez was set to go. But um, yeah, very much excited about that. I like the fact that we're gonna have we're gonna be heading towards a uh, you know undisputed. We are getting more. You know, this has been a year of Josh Taylor. We've been getting some more undisputeds. Uh, we're you know, we were supposed to head to a, a heavyweight undisputed champion. Um, but this will be, uh, you know, four bouts on the line, probably the more my, the, the most high profile because Canelo is going to be going for it. And uh, Caleb Plant's piece of the uh, of the super middleweight crown will be up for grabs. And uh, I'm looking forward to that fight. I, I can't wait for it and, and see uh, see what. Caleb Plant can bring to the table, or if Canelo Alvarez is going to beat the brakes off of him, we'll see, man. But uh, he seemed uh, he seemed pretty cool about it. They got a they got a, they got a little bit of the booze uh, when they when they threw him up on the screen. Not surprising. Uh, I, I didn't think that was too surprising. I thought that you know you know listen, Canelo's popular. He's 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 uh, he's that dude right now. So it's got a lot of fans. I'm not surprised that Caleb Plant got booed, but it's gonna he's gonna get. A, I think this fight's gonna be uh, good exposure for him. And the one good thing I think about it being on Fox is. They'll have the NFL conduit, the college football conduit to really, you know, I think pump this up and give him a big platform uh, to promote the fight. I think that's going to be a big deal for him for sure. So, um, and then, yeah, as far as, uh, you know, Manny's concerned, you know, just kind of some final thoughts to put a bow on it for him. Like, look, this guy really already has solidified his career, his greatness, um, and, and and there was one good point that they did make where they said, like, how many boring Manny Pacquiao fights have you really watched in your life? Probably the Floyd Mayweather one. And that's maybe the list. I mean, he, he is always a crowd pleaser. He is always a guy that is going to try and get the knockout, who's just was always geared offensively. And, um, you know, in all honesty, like, was was fighting way above where he probably should have been fighting weight-wise. Like, probably the cap that he should have been fighting at was 140. And, you know, to just see the size discrepancy even today at a, at an age of 42 was pretty crazy. It was it was pretty crazy. But if this was the last that we see of him, um, just, you know, one of those guys, like it always felt like an event when he fought. It always felt like you got, I think for him, the, the thing that I always appreciate with Manny is I just never felt like I was getting cheated on my money. Like I always felt like, you know, even tonight, like I didn't get the result that I wanted um, when I pay my $75, but I felt like, you know, he gave you the money's worth. I felt like the fight, I felt like for boxing where it's always about the main event and it's always about the uh, the main event fighters it's not really about the card like it is with the UFC where like if you buy the UFC 266 coming up in a couple weeks for 80 bucks you're getting Robbie Lawler versus Nick Diaz and Valentina Shevchenko and the featherweight championship you're getting a whole night's worth of entertainment and with with boxing I think the reason they it's tough right now to have pay-per-view stars is because so much is put into that main event and if you don't deliver for your fans um and you and 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 also if you don't have an inherent reason to root against anybody, which is I think where Floyd harbored a lot of his business, if you don't have a pleasing style and you don't give the fans the money's worth, then 
what are we watching for? And he always, always gave us that. You know, and look, the greatness has been talked about for eight division champion. You know, people squabble at the number, whatever, dude. You know, the greats that this guy was knocking out, the style that he was knocking out, uh, the rivalries, the, the even before he was even in this weight class of like the junior welterweight, welterweight division where he was the executioner was fighting Marco Antonio Barrera, Eric Morales, Juan Manuel Marquez, the rivalries left and right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And and if it is the end for him, uh, I'm always just going to be forever grateful that we got to watch Manny Pacquiao fight. And I really do feel like, you know, my father uh, and a lot of my older relatives, they get to talk about the legends that they got to watch fight. I'm always jealous talking about their times, talking about the Four Kings and Muhammad Ali and all these guys that they got to watch. I can genuinely say, like, the guy, one of the guys that I will get to tell my son that I watched if he becomes a fight fan is about Manny Pacquiao. And that, that guy was an absolute legend. And every single time I watched him fight, I felt like I was watching somebody special and somebody changing the game and was really just a joy to watch in the sport. So if this is the end for Manny Pacquiao, thank you to him for that because he really, uh, he really, really made it fun being a boxing fan. We'll take a quick break here on the show. We'll get to do a little bit of mixed martial arts on the other side. Some UFC action from last night, some PFL action from this week locally at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. We'll get to some of that coming up after this. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Thank you all for tuning in. And we'll get to do a little bit of UFC, a little bit of mixed martial arts for you. As we have last night, Jared Cannonier, the killer gorilla, taking on Kelvin Gastelum, little middleweight showdown. And look, can't you know, candidly, this was going on about the same time as the Manny Pacquiao. I caught the last three rounds of this, so I did not see the first two rounds. I did think that Cannoneer got the nod of the majority of the rounds that I saw. And this was an odd one. You had a unanimous decision, 48-47 on all three scorecards, and every single judge, how often has this happened? The judges all scored every single round the same. What a nice, what a nice, a nice little consensus. They uh they gave the first, third, and fourth rounds to Cannoneer, and they gave rounds two and rounds five to Galvin Gaslam, which is the way it looked. Cannoneer looked very, very toasted by the end of that fourth round. So he uh he ends up getting the win, which is a big one for him because it's uh for him he needed to get that. I think in order to really revitalize, get himself back into the title fold. We hadn't seen him in a while. He hadn't been back since his loss to Robert Whitaker. And uh, you know, even as he's mentioned him by name, so I do think that getting a win like this over Kelvin, Kelvin's a guy that had a, a very a classic with uh with Israel Adesanya. Um Cannonier getting this type of win, I think definitely gets him back into the mix as far as that middleweight title is concerned and and, and really puts everybody on the forefront of him getting back in there and possibly getting a shot. Uh, we did have, as he's saying last night, hashtag, uh, he, he, not hashtag, but he put freestyle bender uh, on there. So wonder what that's all about. But we haven't, because uh, I don't think we've officially gotten him and uh, Robert Whitaker announced. And there's always weird stuff going on with Whitaker as far as like the UFC. Remember there was that uh, that whole thing where they're just like, oh, yeah, he doesn't want the title fight. And he goes, what? That's uh, that's a strange one that they that w- they would go that direction with that. But uh, good for Cannonier last night getting himself a win. Uh, locally, you had the PFL in town, and the biggest win out of that was Kayla Harrison. Her win over Jenna Fabian, TKO in the first round. She advances to the championship. And I think I mentioned this last week. I did like a full PFL recap of the lightweight welterweight because I was there. 
this week just didn't work my schedule it was tough i had some family stuff come up you know so uh, thursday night fights it's a tough you go until 1 a.m that's a tough one for me hosting this uh a a show at six in the morning so just didn't line up for me perfectly i I am gonna go to this upcoming week because it's a friday so i'll be back in there but it looked like it was a star-star crowd you had mosfidal there clarissa shields was in there uh they just uh, a ton of people there but but Kayla Harrison, you know, I've said this, I really do believe is the face of that organization. I think that she is uh, dominant. I think people know her. I think that she has this, you know, and Clarissa maybe eke it that way, but but the PFL has allowed Kayla to really grow there. So I think that um, for her, beautiful package they did before her where she's, you know, raising her niece and nephew now and... Um, I just think it's just an awesome personality to go with her dominance. You know, she is has this this just aura of invincibility to her. Uh, I think the thing that's going to be fascinating for Kayla is, you know, she fights at this 155 weight class, and she did mention this week about her future of the PFL and wanting the PFL to bring in better competition for her. Um, so where does that leave her? Like, where is it going to leave her if she does end up winning this million dollar prize which i think she will come in uh, october that'll be her second one so you know i respect the fact that she wants to go elsewhere where she seemingly has this whole thing in the bag it could keep racking up season after season after season you know but ultimately like you know i think she said like she wants her legacy to be defined something but but is she going to be in this position where the ufc looks at her and says we can make a ton of money with her what do they do with her like do you, you wouldn't have some super showdown with Amanda, I imagine. Amanda already came up and wait once to featherweight to beat Chris Cyborg. She solidified as the GOAT. If you're and they train together, like would you really want to break that up? Would you really want to make that weird for an idea that she has to, you know, go up and wait to fight this just mauler who would probably take her down? You know, with Chris it was different because you know Chris is Chris Cyborg's gonna sit there stand and bang. Kayla's a different beast in that Kayla's gonna take you down and bludgeon you. Um, and it's not that Amanda can't do some devastating stuff on the ground. She certainly uh, is a is a mauler like that. She is a badass like that. But you know, you do have to feel like it. Sometimes science does take over, and and uh, and Kayla's just looks like a, a different type of a uh, different type of beast at this weight class. I think the thing that's going to be fascinating though is will they build something for her the way they did for Chris? You know, because Chris was. Uh, Chris Cyborg was always this person outside of the the UFC, had a little bit of a beef with the UFC. Um, never quite felt welcomed by the UFC, I think she's kind of pointed out, but but always had an aura of like, oh, well, but she is, you know, there was always that rivalry too with Ronda Rousey. Kayla doesn't really have that. I kind of feel like Kayla's pretty beloved by those who know her in the sport and then everybody in this way i don't feel like she has a a chief rival because you know she kind of feels like the alpha of everybody there anyway because she's bigger than everybody else and she's the best at the biggest women's weight class so i don't know i mean uh, you know is the answer to go try and get chris i know chris cyborg mentioned this week i can make 155 pounds like is that the answer to have her fight chris cyborg is that still have the same level imports i don't know but uh for her awesome awesome win uh gotta mention this week this ignacio bahamondes this knockout that he had oh my god if you guys haven't seen this 
this this stopped me in my tracks in the middle of the Dolphins game because it was uh, it was pre prelims, and you know he was taking out Roosevelt Roberts. Fight was about to be over, and he unleashes this roundhouse spinning back kick right to Roberts' face. It was so majestic. I had to watch this. This is one of those knockouts. You have to see if there is if any angle that is available for this. I would need to have like the one thing I do like about the PFL. The PFL has like cameras. They have cameras everywhere. Cameras on the refs. Cameras in the cage. Cameras on the corners. Camera cameras everywhere. This would be one of those where I'd want the PFL's camera because I would want nine hundred angles of what uh, Ignacio was able to do when he knocked out Roosevelt Roberts. Unbelievable! Now, there were a lot of great knockouts on this card. But that one, I, I I don't think any anything could come close to that. I don't think anything could come close to that. Uh, Gable Stevenson, by the way, we were talking a lot last week about him, the Olympic gold medalist. He was at SummerSlam this uh, this past weekend. He was at SummerSlam, so a lot of people raising an eyebrow at that. Is he uh, going to be making the move to professional wrestling after after his uh, after his gold medal win? I know I saw that uh, Daniel Cormier says that's the move that he should do. That he should go be a professional wrestler and then. To basically take the Brock, Brock Lesnar route. Like, be a professional wrestler. Um, uh, who else has done this? Jake Hager's done this. Or is it Jake Hager or Jack Hager? No, he's Jack Swagger, but he's Jake Hager. Whatever the hell. Take that route. Like, that's the that's the route to go. Even Bobby Lashley, like, dipped his toes. He was a professional wrestler. Then he went to mixed martial arts. Then he's back to professional wrestling. But um, that's the route to go. That is the route to go. Or you go the CM Punk route, which is, uh, I guess that would be another parallel, too. CM Punk. Very successful wrestling career, then fought a couple times in the UFC. Who, by the way, CM Punk this week, back with AEW. So, former UFC star, back with AEW. He has returned to professional wrestling. Um, last note that we'll get to for today's program before we call it a day. Next week, you have Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley in Cleveland, Ohio. Now... This is an interesting one from the standpoint of you actually have a guy who Jake Paul has taken on who can punch. All right. He has taken on the likes of Nate Robinson, who plays basketball, Annie Eason Gibb, who is a YouTuber. I was actually at that fight. I was ringside. Um, and Ben Askren, who has been a champion and was a very good mixed martial artist, but, uh, you know, came in full dad bod. And looked like he trained for a day for this fight and got knocked the hell out by uh, by Jake Paul. With Tyron Woodley, this guy, we all know what he can do. Former welterweight champion, knocked out Robbie Lawler, beat the likes of Darren Till, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. The list goes on and on. But if you've been watching Tyron Woodley lately and you watch the end of his UFC run, it's pretty awful. Um, like not even competitive in rounds of boxing or of mixed martial arts, excuse me. But he's taking on the best of the world. You know, if you were to go look at Tyron Woodley's resume to end his career, it would look something like Colby Covington, Kamara Usman, and Gilbert Burns. And so you're talking about the welterweight champion of the world and then two guys who have fought for the welterweight championship of the world. And then he lost to Vicente Luque, who might for the fight for the championship of the world. Well, it's been a long time since he's been a viable fighter. Like he has not, it is arguable that he's not won a round of fighting in three years' time. Jake Paul, he has uh, turned 
a basketball player, and a mixed martial artist who doesn't punch into a meme. So my hot take for this has been, I think that Tyron Woodley is going to lose this fight. I do. I think that he's picked for a reason. I'm worried about his age. I'm worried that I haven't seen him look good in a very long time. I also, and I think this is a fair criticism of anybody who's watched Tyron Woodley fight his entire career, for a guy who is a very strong and powerful puncher, he does not punch a lot. He sits there a lot. And he looks for that perfect shot. And I do worry about the idea of, hey, is he going to be looking for something that's not there? Or is he going to be trying to be too cute? And Jake Paul's going to unleash something on him. Jake Paul's also bigger than him. He's younger than him. And I would assume is getting better. You know, I would assume is, is training enough. Like, the only things you could say is, like, if I could equate to this. Like, Jake Paul, you know, you could say is a YouTuber, is not a fight. I agree with that. But whatever he's doing, you got to say he is training hard. He is probably getting better. Can we say that Tyron Willie's going to walk in anywhere and he's going to get absolutely better? Probably not. Not at his age, not the heights that he's been. What could he possibly be doing that you think he's fine-tuning some stuff? Um, the There are a couple things, though. Like, look, Tyron Willie's been through the War of Wars, so if Jake Paul does hit him and he doesn't go down, because it's not like, you know, look, it's not like Willie's been an easy guy to finish. You know, he lost. He got submitted by Luke K., uh, Colby TKO'd him, but it was like a rib thing that happened. Gilbert, Kamara, those went the distance. I don't, boy, I'm trying to think. Has he been knocked out before that? No. So, this has been the easiest guy. Like, if you're just talking hands, has it been the easiest guy to knock out in his career? Um, so if it goes late, what's Jake Paul going to be like if this fight doesn't go passed around, if it doesn't go his way early? Um, but you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Jake Paul is going to win. I think he's going to knock him out. I think he's going to knock him out. I think he's going to beat Tyron Woodley. And, um, if I'm wrong, then, uh, you know, I, I was a fool. I've been a fool before. I picked CM Punk to win his fights. I thought CM Punk was going to win his debut. And, uh, I was way off on that. So I've been, I've been like in these weird wild fights when I don't really know much going into these things. I don't know how Tyron Woodley is going to box. I don't know how Jake Paul's going to do against a guy who can punch. Um, but my hot take is, you know what? I haven't seen Tyron Woodley look good in a while. He is old. He's not a guy who's always throwing the most punches in the world. I feel like he can get got, and he's also smaller than, and he's also a lot smaller than uh, than Jake Paul. So I am, uh, I think, and I think he's been picked for a reason. I think he's been picked for a reason. So in a lot of ways, uh, I think it all just kind of stacks up to Jake Paul. You know, winning this thing, even though I know a lot of people want to see him lose. Obviously, that's the big thing everybody's tuning into. The majority of people, I think, want to see Jake Paul lose. So, we'll see. We will recap it next week. Uh, Like it or not, we will recap it next week on the show. So, we'll see what happens then. Everybody, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next time. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.